All right, fellow babies, welcome back to another episode of Professors, Professors Gone, Gone Wild. Wild. Is that cheesy, that intro? It doesn't matter. I don't know. Okay, so, hey, Dr. T, cheers. Cheers. All right. It is 8.38 On a Monday? On a Monday, but you know what? Monday's a good night to drink. It's and the Mondayest of Mondays. Exactly, right. And this whole episode is going to be about alcohol. I'm going to call it alcohol... Everything you would have asked if you knew to ask it. Because this is the science. This is yeah, the biology. And you're the person, man. Uh, because I drink? No, because you studied fermentation. Oh, right. Yeah, I studied fermentation. <laughs> I'm still studying fermentation right now. <laughs> okay, so fermentation can result in an alcohol called ethyl alcohol or ethanol, which is drinking Alcohol. Now, Dr. T, did you know there's other types of alcohols? Yeah, I did. I did. I know right. there's what I know there's methanol, um, and then there's isopropyl alcohol, which is kind of like your rubbing alcohol. Right. Would you want to drink any of those? Hell no. Right, because you, you really can get very sick. Yeah. You know, you can get very sick from ethyl alcohol. You can die, obviously, from overdose. There are people who don't have the enzymes oh, yes. necessary to break That's down right. alcohol. alcohol dehydrogenase. Wasn't your advisor... Oh, did he not have the enzyme? Yeah, your advisor. Yeah, he, he wouldn't drink. drink alcohol. He wouldn't drink, yeah. Her PhD advisor, um, who unfortunately died of something totally different. Yeah. Um, but what were you saying about the... Well, they, they lack the enzyme to break down the alcohol. What, what enzyme? Alcohol dehydrogenase. Okay, okay, so if I drink alcohol, it's broken down? Mm-hmm, Absolutely. By what organ? Mainly the liver. Oh, the liver. What doesn't it do? I know. It does so much. And you said there's enzymes. What are they called? Alcohol dehydrogenase. That break down alcohol and yep. then it's uh, secreted, I believe is the mm -hmm. term, yep. in your urine. And also through sweat. You do really? get rid of alcohol through sweat. Huh. Yep. Okay. And so moderation is key. Yes. Now, I'm not going to tell you what to drink how much to drink, when to drink. I personally don't believe in a legally defined uh, drinking age limit because, Dr. T, correct me if I'm wrong, you were raised with a little modest glass of wine. Yeah, French-Canadian. Oh, right? my goodness. French -Canadian. I'm drinking wine right now. I mean, okay. that's my upbringing. Do you think that children who were raised in a household, this is all through Europe. Yeah. I mean, it's all over the world, mm -hmm. really. Um, that children who are raised with a, a little taste of some alcohol, especially around mealtime, yeah. that they they don't tend to overdo it when they turn 21? No, no, they don't. They don't. Um, so, you know, a little taste of wine with your meal as a celebration of the meal and life and, and French Canadian history that I grew up in, it was a celebration. It wasn't like you don't drink to become inebriated. You drink to celebrate the meal and family and life. Right. And that brings us back to the biology, which is alcohol makes people feel good. Okay. Up to a certain point. Now, as a microbiologist, let's start at the beginning. Microbes make alcohol. In particular, there's a yeast, which is a fungus, Saccharomyces cerevisiae. You, you see in the name cerevisiae, you know what the Spanish word for beer is? Cerveja? No. Cerveza. Cerveza. So cerevisiae, this is winemakers, beer makers, basically brewers yeast. Okay, so it's a fungus, and it's going to take sugars, 
-hmm. and convert them into ethyl alcohol. Mm -hmm. Now, have you ever wondered why? Anaerobic respiration? Well, <laughs> no, you're kind of taking it proximate. By okay. the way, this is completely no script tonight. Yeah, we're not working completely on anything. Completely ad lib. We just turned the microphone it's on and that's it. It's 8.30 at night and I said, let's let's go talk about alcohol while, while we're drinking alcohol. Mm -hmm. Okay, by the way, we are in the safety of our home. We are not driving. No. I am a huge, I mean, I'm a major proponent of drinking safely yeah. uh let me let me just recount a really quick story and then i'll come back to the okay. microbiology all right i had a student one time he missed a couple days of class and finally started showing up said what's going on you missed like an exam he said dude you don't even want to know <laughs> so he got arrested for a dui mm. on a friday oh. on a friday night he couldn't see a judge until Monday. So he was in the tank all weekend. Yeah, he said it was the worst experience of his life. Now listen, I I I empathize with that, but imagine if you had hit and killed or hurt somebody. Oh. Imagine how much your life would change. Yeah. So really, anybody listening, I don't care how old you are, okay? Don't drink and drive. It's not worth it. It really isn't. Uh, Dr. T and I really vigilantly, ever since we met. Yeah. We've got... DUI. Uh, D, not DUI, but designated <laughs> oh driver. Oh, my God. DUI. I, well, come on. I'm on two, since two tequila drinks okay, in but one. we're not driving. So designated driver, driver, DD. To like, avoid a DUI. It's like Dolly Parton, double D. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's get back to alcohol. So these yeasty beasties... The science. Science. Yeah, so imagine there's a grape. Imagine there's a fruit somewhere in the world. And it ripens and it, it escapes birds and mammals that want to eat it that's all that's another discussion seed dispersal uh why, yeah, don't get too far off that why tangent. are there sugary fruits it's yeah. for seed dispersal they want to be eaten so that the seeds get pooped far away from the parent with a little dose of fertilizer ready to right. go okay but let's get back to this so imagine this fruit which has some sugars a grape a grape let's go with the grape and uh it doesn't get eaten by a mammal or a bird hmm. so now a uh, yeast floating around these things are microscopic they float in the air lands on the grape mm. and it's like this is my grape remember the daffy duck this is mine oh mine oh mine oh mine oh mine right or think, finding dory the seagulls mine 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 okay <laughs> so the yeast wants to have offspring wants to reproduce it wants to eat drink and be merry <laughs> and it doesn't want any competition from any other microbes so the yeast which by the way yeasts they don't really get out there on the dating scene and have sex there's no Buddy. wine dine you know 69 it's basically one yeast cell pops off a hmm. baby and it's so okay yeah so this yeast cell lands on the grape and it's chewing and chomping and digesting and burping and peeing and uh it has its little offspring and all of a sudden you got a colony of yeast mm -hmm. now the colony of yeast as they metabolize they're going to excrete alcohol. alcohol. And we all know alcohol is antibacterial. Mm. This is not coincidence, people. So the metabolite of the yeast cell, alcohol, 
inhibits or kills bacteria. So now a bacterial cell lands on the grape. It, it, it can't, can't survive. It can't survive. Can't survive. Right. So this is chemical warfare. Yeah. This is technically microbial what's called chemical as warfare. microbial antagonism or competitive exclusion, where one microbe secretes a chemical that inhibits the other microbes. I always tell my students, imagine, you know, there's a dead raccoon by the side of the road, and, you know, the first microbe there... If they can secrete chemicals that keep other microbes and other things They'll from run the show. consuming They'll the run food the table. resource, they got it. They got it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this yeast colony grows and grows and grows, produces lots of alcohol. Eventually, ironically enough, the yeast will die. Because the too much alcohol, they can't yeah, survive it. Right, and yeast, each yeast strain, that's difficult to say, especially <laughs> when, you, when you're enjoying the yeasty beasties. Each yeast strain has a different alcohol tolerance. Mm -hmm. And people, of course, over millennia, like that's the point of this uh, podcast, is alcohol transcends time. I mean, people have enjoyed alcohol since mm -hmm. people existed. Yeah. So, okay, let's let's paint that picture. Okay, about the yeast having different, the different strains of yeast and their alcohol tolerance. No, like a person... Oh comes up to a grape, yes. and, you know, it's the end of the season. There's yeah. no ripe grapes, and uh -huh. here's this little yeasty grape, uh -huh. and this person eats it. Yeah. And people have what enzyme? Alcohol dehydrogenase. So they can metabolize it, and actually alcohol has a lot of calories. Yeah, it does. And people can digest and use alcohol as a nutrient, mm -hmm. and you get a little buzz. Yeah. I mean, imagine the first person who got a buzz on some fermented grapes, right? right. right? And then they learn to control the fermentation, etc. But let's let's go back even further. Animals. Well, Not, I was going to bring that up. What were you going to say? Well, I have a personal experience. So, um, grew up in upstate New York, farm country, Dairyland, mm -hmm. and I remember a time when I I can't remember what fruit it was out. We had a lot of um, native Concord grapes and things like that, but oh, yeah. a a, a dove was obviously drunk Dang. on fruits mm -hmm. and flew into our window, crashed through it, died. What? But it, yeah, it, it, it was totally drunk. Did you do a necropsy? You know no, how, I didn't. What was the alcohol content? The BAC. Oh, come on. What I was, was the like BAC? Nine. Point one? Oh, my God. But, no, but animals, gotcha. totally, gotcha. totally. No, there's videos on YouTube. Yeah. Elephants, primates, I mean, all yeah, sorts birds. of, yeah, birds. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, really birds, really. Mm -hmm. And um, let's get back to the fact that humans are primates. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's let's bring this back even further. Is a human being new to the scene with the alcohol? Absolutely not. No, because no matter what you believe in terms of evolution, non-human primates, such as chimpanzees, bonobos, mm -hmm. gorillas, those are just the African great apes, all around the world, they specialize on eating fruits. That's not even a, an issue of discussion. So they get some yeast-fermented fruits, mm -hmm. and... They have a party. They have a little bit of a party, but they have evolved the enzymes right. necessary to break it down. Because it's still a resource. Right, it's a food resource. Yeah. And so those non-human primates evolved the liver enzymes to detoxify what mm -hmm. is basically a poison. Mm -hmm. Because of their frugivorous, that means fruit-eating lifestyle. Mm -hmm. 
The body's amazing. I teach metabolism all the time, and the body turns something that could be toxic or dangerous into something useful. Okay, yeah, and think about this. Caffeine. What's caffeine come from? The coffee bean. Or cheese. Okay, caffeine. Yep, yep, you're exactly right. And people adore those things. Okay. Mm -hmm. What about nicotine? Oh, tobacco. Right, tobacco. These are all plant toxins. Mm -hmm. They're designed for various reasons. Uh, We're getting away from the ethanol, but let's keep going. Cocaine. Oh, the coca plant? The coca plant. Uh, Opium. Poppies. Poppies. Opium poppies. So the, the common thread here, and we see these fungi that have hallucinogens. Plants and fungi and bacteria produce chemical compounds mm-hmm. to control their immediate environment. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they don't want you interfering with their food resource, and you eat their food resource, mm-hmm. and you suffer the consequences. Mm-hmm. So primates, okay, keep following me on this thread, primates have evolved the liver enzyme, Dr. T? <laughs> alcohol dehydrogenase. Alcohol dehydrogenase. So it existed. Yeah. Okay, and then people come along and, oh, Guess what? People are primates. And why did they drink so much alcohol? There's so, there's a story to that, too. Oh, you want to get into the history? Well, I okay, think we, we should have a little we history. Some time. Okay, right. Okay. The, the yeah. historical importance of alcohol. Why okay. were people drinking so much alcohol? It's not just they found a bunch of fermented fruits. It's more than that. Okay, so we're going to fast forward thousands, tens of thousands, I will say hundreds of thousands of years, to the point in which humans can control alcoholic fermentation now let's play a game shall we tam okay okay every culture in the world that i'm aware of has an alcoholic beverage and then fermented products yes Uh, alcoholic fermented product Mm because there's other fermentation right okay so let's start with america america has amber waves of grain the (laughs) barley right okay so so well that's not a grain well, okay, you're right, you're right. Okay, but, like, what is the American drink based on barley? Like, is that Bud Light? Yeah, Bud, like Budweiser? beer, yeah, like beer. beer. Yeah. yeah, okay. Uh, let's go to the Caribbean. Caribbean has a lot of sugar cane. Mm. What is the alcoholic rum? My fave! That's our fave, Bacardi. <laughs> All right, uh, let's say we go to Russia oh. with potatoes. Vodka. Vodka. What about we go to France with the grapevines? Oh my goodness! Oh, I mean, I I can't I can't. I mean, obviously wine, but there's wine. so many different types of wine. Right. I Where mean, do you want me to go? Right. I know France. I'm French Canadian. Okay, let's go to the Far East where they have rice. What do you oh, do with rice? Oh, sake. Sake to sake. me. Sake. Mm, a nice um, warm sake. No, I like it cold. You do? I yeah. prefer it warm. I always like my beverages yeah, warm. Yeah, she do. She I do. do. Okay, now I'm going to play it a little trickier. Oh. Let's get into South America oh. with corn, or as they call it, maize. <laughs> okay, you get into Central South America. Okay. What is the fermented alcoholic beverage created after women chew the corn? Oh, God. Mix it with their salivary enzymes. I know enzyme. this, but I can't remember what it's called. Okay. I can't remember. They spit it into the a The salivary not... enzymes are called oh. <sighs> amylase. Which breaks, which breaks the starch and corn, Carbohydrates. which is, is amylose, mm-hmm. into oh. simpler sugars, which are then fermented. So this oh. is women's spat out yes, saliva. Yes. And when you tell me, like, corn. oh, I can't believe I forgot that. Chicha. 
Chicha. See, I knew that, but yeah. it was, it was way back there. It was way back Chicha. in the memory. Okay, we go to Mexico. That's what I'm drinking tonight. Some Camarena Tequila Reposado. Yeah. yeah. Agave. Agave? So, agave. What is agave? I mean, it's a an arid adapted kind of succulent plant. Okay. Kind of reminds me like a um, aloe, but it's not aloe. How is it not? No. So, you know that like... Aloe comes from Africa, mm-hmm. and agave is in Central America. Right, but there, there are. Uh, She's totally drunk. Yeah, I totally am. I want to say they're not homologous, but they're. Come on, help me out. Help me out. Come on. Convergent. Convergent evolution. <laughs> so they evolved independently right. to have very similar separate, characteristics. Separate continents. Separate continents. Similar environmental be- conditions. Led them to evolve to these conditions. And so let's talk about agave for just a minute. Um, I know they talk about blue agave, but basically it's photosynthetic. The stem mm. is photosynthetic. You know what the leaves of those plants are? No. I don't. The thorns. Oh, wow. The thorns, the thorns? of cacti and euphorbs. Do they which, respire? Okay, listen, there's the cactaceae, which includes the agave plant in the New World. And then there's the... Uh, Euphorbiaceae in Africa, which includes aloe. And basically the thorns are the adapted leaves. And the fleshy, water-bearing stem is photosynthetic. Oh, wow. Yeah. Where did that come from? The depths of decades ago in graduate school. We're not even looking at paper right now. No, there's no paper. We're completely completely going off script. Okay, so we talked about how every culture has its alcoholic fermentation. But there's the history. Why were people... Go ahead. You tell me. Well, you're the microbiologist, but okay. Why would... Okay, let's let's take the 1800s. Okay. Go. Okay, 1800s. You don't have a secure... Uh, system of, of, of supplying water, fresh drinking water to houses. You don't even have septic. I mean, you're going in a, a pot and dumping it in the street. So, or you have an outhouse in the country. Right, and you just go in a hole in the ground. Yeah. But getting fresh water to drink is, there was no central source of it. It's not like you had some water tower that delivered through gravitation. No, they didn't. I mean, you know, you, well, you, you, rarely wells, but, okay, well, yeah. so if I go get a bucket of water from a pond. Okay, you're going to you're gonna have dysentery. Okay, what is dysentery? Dysentery is basically inflammation of your GI tract from you know, bacteria, protists, and other things that are found in unpurified water. Okay, that that is correct. But yeah. remember, Dr. T, you're a physiologist. I'm a physiologist. So dysentery comes in many forms. Mm. Dysentery, Tell me. Dysentery means bloody diarrhea. Oh. Anybody well, out there? Well, that's the inflammation. <laughs> well, yeah. Anybody out there remember the Oregon Trail? I do. I was just reading up about it. Like, it's a video game from the 80s. You have died of dysentery. Yeah. I want to get that t-shirt. You have died of dysentery. dysentery. Because, okay, there's amoebic dysentery. There's valentidial dysentery. So let's go back. Amoebic dysentery caused by histolytica. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, entamoeba histolytica, uh, which is a protease. You've got valentidial dysentery, which is valentidium coli. Uh, you've got beaver fever, which is Giardia. Oh, Giardia. Yeah, yeah, I always think about, know that. about that. Yeah, of course. So I there's all sorts of microbes yeah. in pond water. Yeah. Ditch water. Yeah. Now, when I was growing up, I remember I, I grew up in the country. I would follow my dog around, and many, many times she's drinking from a pond. 
I would stick my face right next oh to her. Oh my god! And suck it oh, deep no. and hard. <laughs> and I never, ever, ever got sick. But one time when I was in the tropics, do you want to hear the story? Yeah, I do. Okay, dysentery. One time I was in Costa Rica, and we were hiking in. I had a group, and we were hiking in to a primitive, uh, basically Campsite. nature preserve, mm-hmm. and. We hiked in for a couple dozen kilometers, and we ran out of the water in our canteens. Oh. And we came upon this clear water running stream. And, you know, clear, cold water. We jumped in. We were, oh, we were so jubilant. We were enjoying ourselves. We were splashing and laughing. And okay. these zebu, these zebu <laughs> come crashing down upstream of us. These are like uh, cattle. Okay, they're like cows. Come crashing down. They're drinking and they're splashing. And they start shitting and pissing in the water. And me and my guys were like, fill the canteens quick before the piss gets here, before the shit gets here. So we filled it up. Yeah, okay. Well, what do you think happened within 24 hours? You got dysentery. Yeah, so I'm in a tent in the rainforest in, in basically equatorial Costa Rica. And oh. I start to get the stomach gurgles. Oh. Right? And all night, I'm just unzipping the tent. Just pull the trousers down as fast as you can. Liquid, oh. hot, <laughs> explosive, fire hydrant <laughs> diarrhea. Okay? Now, the biggest risk from this type of thing. You dehydration? Know yeah. Talk about dehydration for a minute. Okay. So, uh, okay. Let's do it. Colon. Your colon, your large intestine. Actually, one of its roles other than having good bacteria to defeat bad bacteria, is to dehydrate your liquid poo that enters from the small intestine. By the time it goes through the different sections of the large intestine, water has been pulled from the fecal matter, making it solid. Semi-solid. Semi-solid, yeah. I'm going to get myself a little bit more More tequila. More tequila? Oh, you splashed it You want some more? No, I'm drinking wine. Okay, so... (laughs) So when you have diarrhea... It means your GI tract is so inflamed, it's speeding up the rate at which things yeah. move through to try and get the bad stuff out of your body. Right. And so it's so fast, your your large intestine doesn't have time to reabsorb the water. So it leaves you, as the way it entered your colon, liquid poo slurry. So diarrhea can actually be advantageous. Diarrhea is your body's way of evacuating. Saying, Get the shit the fuck Literally. out of my body. <laughs> now the problem is if you don't rehydrate, right? Then you're going right? to be dehydrated. So you need to consume more fluids than you normally would, and not the contaminated ones. <laughs> right, right. Although I've mentioned in my survival series, uh, check out my YouTube channel, Greg Pryor Homestead. <laughs> <laughs> That basically, if it was life or death, I would just drink drink the damn water if you don't have a way to boil it. But no, let's get back on point. Mm. So we have in healthcare what's called ORT. Oral rehydration therapy. I teach it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And it's basically drink lots of fluids. With with salt and sugar. Okay, so if you're in this situation, like, like I was in Costa Rica, take... A liter or a quart of water, uh, hopefully not contaminated with more of the perpetrators, (laughs) and a pinch between your fingers, a pinch of salt and a pinch of sugar. And you basically have Gatorade. You've got Pedialyte. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it can be a life-threatening situation. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bad water. Bad water. Bad water. Yeah. So, you know, 
Um, it was actually at a point in history it was safer to drink fermented beverages, alcohol, than to drink water. Right? Yeah. I, the alcohol was such a concentration as to be inhis- inhospitable to bacteria. Is that true? Yeah, and proteases and mm-hmm. viruses. So if I had, let's say, a transatlantic cargo ship, mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking 1800s. Yeah. It's Most. better to provision the the crew with alcohol uh-huh. than water. Right, because the water's going to spoil. The water already is probably contaminated. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Think about this. At the end of the day, you know, grog, so grog was rum and some sugar and some lime juice, prevented scurvy, all this other beautiful stuff. But basically, it was something to look forward to. And even to this day, Mm -hmm. I believe that the British Naval Academy still allots each crew member a certain number of milliliters of alcohol at the end of the day. Yeah, you know, happy sailors make... A happy army. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I, I, was, I was listening to this thing the other day on NPR, and they were talking about how, like, say, George Washington's time. Hmm. I mean, let's take it into a little darker place okay. and go down to the plantations in the South, which is where we are. That Basically, the, the women, the white women maintained the stocks of beer mm. they were they were young beers so you know like a like a Michelob ultra in alcohol Low content. alcohol content yeah and that the kids and and the slaves and basically the laborers yeah. were drinking yeah. this breakfast lunch and, and dinner. dinner and you know what they didn't need to drive anywhere no there was no uh Heavy equipment like tractors. Right. And you know what? If it gave them a little bit of happiness, mm-hmm. then great. Right. And right. plus they won't come down with dysentery. Right. Okay. So what else do you want to hear about alcohol, Dr. Barbara? Oh, my goodness. Jeez, uh, we've covered history. Okay. So if alcohol is antimicrobial, uh, tell us about the use of alcohol and hand sanitizers in the, the, time, the time of COVID virus. Oh my God, girlfriend. <laughs> so I have never used so much hand sanitizer in my entire life. And it, this is really making history. I remember a year ago today, people were scrambling for toilet paper, yeah. hand sanitizer. Yeah, it was gone off the shelf. Yeah, and you grab your bottle of hand sanitizer and it says 70% alcohol. Now you have to be careful because turns out some unscrupulous manufacturers were using methyl alcohol, dangerous alcohol, in their hand sanitizer and basically just on the label saying alcohol. So here's the deal. You want to look at your label. You want to see that it's either ethyl alcohol or ethanol Mm -hmm. or isopropyl alcohol or isopropanol or rubbing alcohol. Because the methanol is toxic. Yes, methyl alcohol is toxic. It, It absorbs through your skin. It's awful. So 70%. Scientists have determined that 70% of these alcohols with 10%, or I'm sorry, 30% water, um, is the optimum to kill most germs. Now, this is a fascinating topic because those claims, okay, if you see your hand sanitizer and it says kills 99% of germs, does that mean it kills 99 out of 100 bacterial cells of a given species of bacteria 
mm. of a protest, of a fungus, of a virus, does it mean that the bacteria, the virus, the fungus, the protein is put in the solution for overnight? Mm. Because alcohol evaporates quickly. And we know that a lot of microbes need to be exposed for over two minutes. And that's not practical with these hand sanitizers. Mm -hmm. And so hand sanitizers do not sterilize your hands. Mm. They will reduce the microbial load significantly, and it's better than doing nothing. Mm. It is not as good as washing your hands with soap and water, mm -hmm. running water. Because the running water takes yeah, away physically all those things. And um, it may not kill all microbes. So, you know, when you see the Dukes of Hazard and these other things where somebody's going to sterilize their hands with moonshine, it's, it's <laughs> not It's not valid. No, no. Okay? I if, would do surgery with sterilizing my hands with alcohol. Right. If you're at a party and this hottie comes up to you and has a glass of whatever brew and they have a big herpes sore oh. and like you gotta try this you gotta try this and you're like by the way getting back to alcohol right and uh you're like no thank you no thank you because you know the alcohol in that drink is not going to be 70 percent yeah and it's not going to be in contact with anything for two minutes so beer Beer, about 4% alcohol. Okay. Wine? Plus or minus. Uh, wine, about 12%, plus or minus. Depending on the yeast is used. Yeah. And then distilled liquors, Jack Daniels, etc., 35 40%. And, and I just told you, it takes 70%. You are not going to drink 70% no. alcohol. If you want to live. <laughs> <laughs> and so... You know, when it comes down to how do we use alcohol in our lives, my suggestion is as follows. Okay. I'm all ears. Okay. Drinking alcohol, use it in moderation and enjoy life. Mm -hmm. Rubbing alcohol, use it before an injection. <laughs> or to you know, clean your ears if they got pierced. Your ears. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that is called de-germing. Mm -hmm. Methyl alcohol, keep it for the engines on the racetrack. <laughs> it's a high-octane fuel. And other than that, uh, let's just give homage to the yeast. Yes, go yeast. To the microbes that create this beautiful compound. Mm -hmm. This beautiful, wonderful molecule. I shouldn't say compound because compound has a different meaning in science. Mm -hmm. But that was safer to drink than water. Safer to drink than water. The key is responsibility. Yeah, definitely. All right, you got anything to add, Dr. T? No, I don't. I don't. I think I'm... we've had enough of our alcohol. Yeah, I know. This it's, is Monday. I'm done. Uh, it's about time to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, peace out, everybody. Peace out.